Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, it's a new week of Cinematics. This is episode 190. We have a whole bunch of movies to, to cover this week. I am joined by my betters, Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky. We're, we're actually starting episode 190. We're going to be coming out fighting. You know why we're going to be coming out fighting, Bruce Perky? Do you know why? Do you have an idea? Mm, no, I don't know why we're coming out fighting. Tell well, me. Because this is our basically our last outpost, or it might be our sanctuary. I don't know. But you know why? What, what, what are we, you know what we're going to do when we're on that last outpost in Sanctuary, Eric? You know what we're going to do? Uh, we're we're going to come out fighting and collect thieves. And collect thieves. We might be yeah, collect thieves. We might garden a little bit. We're gonna do some gardening. And here I, I'm, I'm gonna be your Donnie Yen substitute for this episode for Young Ip Man. I just who, who yes. knows? We may even spill some secrets of Mogwai. <laughs> oh, little secrets. Of, oh, this is something that Eric Holmes is very. He's got. Can you tease something about the secrets of Mogwai? What What can you say? You're gonna. Are you gonna leave that towards the end of the episode? Tease something. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll keep it towards the end of the episode. Okay, we we'll, might have. We'll, we'll, we'll get. We'll give you. We're giving you a taste now, but we'll we'll give you a, a little, couple bites at the end. I could be wrong, Eric Holmes. Right now, if you're looking at our video feed, which you can actually check on our Deepest Dream YouTube channel, if there's a way you can support us here over at Cinematics, please like and subscribe to our Deepest Dream YouTube channel. There's a lot of interviews by all of us and reviews from this podcast go directly to that Deepest Dream channel. And we're trying to build up our base. Right now, we have 1,540 or 41. Bruce Perky, when do we get to a million subs? Until the 12th of November, <laughs> one thing. are we going to get to a million subs on Deepest Dream? What do you think? When I am but a force ghost just floating in the background, <laughs> it's only a million subs. <laughs> force ghost. Love it. You know, I, mean, I love how Bruce brings out these, all these Star Wars references. It's not because you're a huge Star Wars Lucas fan. Are, are you a Lucensian or Lucas Sizian? Lucensian? Is that like Dickensian? Is that like. Yeah, a little. Yeah, chimney sweeper meets. I've got a great beard. My neck is. We're disappearing, so I'm becoming more Lucas-like <laughs> every day. Here on Cinematics, our, our main goal is, look, there are really big movies coming out every single week. The movies that we're covering aren't really that big, but this gives you the option if you're not going to your local theaters and you're not watching, I don't know, the latest Shazam, Shazam or MCU or Transformers or maybe this week, Fast X. There are other viewing alternatives eric holmes are there from the i guess seven or eight movies we're gonna go through on this episode are you excited about a couple at least a couple of the movies that we're gonna be talking about or is this a down week and are you gonna warn people about it what there, uh yeah it's i mean it's still banger season because uh i didn't get to watch a lot of movies this week because a lot of the movies i watched this week are for weeks coming up um mm. but uh so we're not out of banger season that's a, that's a, it, but we're all right. We're all right. We're still in banger season. <laughs> as far as the theaters go, I'll, I'll, I'll qualify it with as far as theaters go. What can people expect as far as your interviews in the coming weeks, Eric Holmes, on our sister, brother, sister podcast, Find Your Film? What can they expect? Uh, let's see. We got, uh, we got, uh, writers and directors of Wrath of Becky. Mm. Uh, we got the, uh, we'll be uh, reviewing Bumani. next week. Bomani J. Story directed a movie called The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. Mm. I'll be covering that. Okay. Um, you can't say anything about those movies because they're currently under embargo as we speak, no. right? 
Okay. But uh, you know, I can I can tell you to keep an eye out for him. I, oh, that's I don't okay. think I, I don't think that's uh, that's out of line. Keep but an eye or keep keep two eyes out for them. I don't know. You, yeah, you, one eye on Ratha Beck <laughs> and keep the other eye on uh, Angry Black Girl. Okay. But okay. That, that, I'm just saying, like the today is not part of banger season, but we're mm. still within it because we got we got other ones coming up Today's that I'm pretty excited about. Part of banger season. How dare you, Eric Holmes? I might come out fighting, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I may not because I didn't see that movie, but we'll see. I might. This might be banger season for me. Is this week banger season for you, Bruce? Does it continue or are you sort of siding on the side of Eric Holmes? How many bangers do I have to have to call it banger season? Let's say that. Let's just say one, one banger. Is there a banger in this episode? There might be two. There might right. be two. Okay. All right. Before but we I mean, start- I don't know. I always go to five to get to banger. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, look, the great thing about cinematics, again, like I said at the top of the show, we cover a lot of indie driven projects. And I think hopefully we watch movies. So hopefully some of these movies you don't have to watch if, if it's really not a banger or not worth watching. But hopefully we are. There's, there might be a couple of movies that are going to be worth watching this week. We'll get to it in a second. Before we get to our reviews, Eric or Bruce, you have anything else to say as far as intros, banter, plugs, uh, fe- film festivals, Bruce? I don't know. Around the corner. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I am tentatively scheduled to interview maybe – well, it won't be out next week, but probably the week after. There might be an interview with the um, directors of the Southern Fried Film Festival, which is in the second week of June. So I'm uh, trying to – I think I've got it set up, but – We'll, we'll keep my fingers crossed. Are you okay interviewing people? Because I heard Eric told me that you just don't like interviewing people because you just don't like people in general. Or I that, mean, you know, that... I, I, I can be, <laughs> see how they react. Don't, they might, they might be upset that. when it's all done. Oh, I'm sorry, Bruce. Was, no, no, you're actually, a, you're actually a humanist and you're a good interviewer. That was me. That was, a, that, that was the misanthrope. That was, oh, a, okay. Yeah. That, that, that tracks. That tracks. <laughs> that tracks. You mean to, to catch a killer, the, the, to catch a killer in you. By the way, To Catch a Killer, folks, that's a movie. Eric, is To Catch a Killer still in your brain? Is it the, or AKA Misanthrope, you like to call it? Oh, Misanthrope. misanthrope. Yeah, I dare Catch a Killer. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I saw that. But Misanthrope, yes, I have seen Misanthrope, and that's still that's still locked in my brain pretty firmly. Yeah. That yeah. along with Blackberry. Yes. Them, uh, I, oh, I was listening to uh, Film Vault. No, oh, I was listening film. to Film Vault, and yes. they, were, uh, they both love Blackberry, which is great. Mm-hmm. They both hated the Charlie Day one. A Fool's Paradise. Yeah, Fool's Paradise. Oh. And, and dude, that's getting raked over the coals as far as like, I think it's only like 10, 15% rotten tomato. I don't get it, but you know. Look, Eric, I didn't see different courses for different horses, as he said. Or different, yeah, different uh, courses for horses, uh, horses for courses. And Eric, Eric Holmes, again, every like Bruce knows this. I don't watch any of these movies, so the fact that you gave Fool's Paradise five stars, I was just following your lead by giving it four stars. So I'm going to throw you. <laughs> but <laughs> I, actually, it kind of makes me want want Bruce to watch it and kind of weigh in because mm. I, I believe that both of us liked it, and I Brian it. And Anderson didn't like it. That, mm. I, I don't think they hated it. I, it sounded like they were more disappointed than anything, uh, yeah. but like it wasn't good. But I, I, I kind of want uh, Bruce to split the difference there. See? I am curious. I'm very curious. So I will try to. It, oh wait, is it is it on I, a streaming service yet? Not yet. You're gonna have to wait till it gets to streaming, Bruce Berkey. But I, I, I think the I think the big issue seemed to be the the comedy didn't land for the people that didn't mm-hmm. like it. The comedy landed for me, but you know, landed for me I'm, too. I'm easy when it comes to that. Um, so maybe my, I would guess maybe Bruce leans more towards the not, but who knows? Who well, knows? I'm going to save Bruce Perky some time on our YouTube comments for our review of Fool's Paradise. We have me and Eric actually doing that review from last week. I uploaded it on our channel and then we got a bunch of comments that were saying, Oh, by the way, this movie sucked. 
oh, I really wanted to like it. But I was, <laughs> oh, no. and I'm thinking, oh, I think it's me and Eric on the Fool's Paradise Island on this. And look, I'll die on that island. I still enjoy that movie. And Eric gave it a five-star banger. And I, I gave it four stars. I had a wonderful time on the Don't Look Up Island. I got a nice tan, <laughs> eating some tropical fruits, and it was it was a great time. And I trust Eric from now from now on. Plenty of leg room and arm room to stretch out because <laughs> no one was there with me until and Oscars came around. <laughs> one of this year's surprises, again, before we get to the reviews, is To Catch a Killer. And I during our review of To Catch a Killer, I remember Eric was saying, I don't like the I don't like the moniker for To Catch a Killer. I prefer its original name, Misanthrope. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, Eric, you didn't have to say that. To Catch a Killer. I'm, I, I didn't say this on the episode. I, I was like thinking, Eric, who's going to like Misanthrope? And on our YouTube comments, most everyone, I'm oh, getting yeah. so many comments and saying, oh, we here in Chile or here in Argentina or here in from different parts of the world say, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about to catch a killer. It's called misanthrope in our local theater. So look, to your point, I was, I was questioning your call and I should never question Eric Holmes anymore. Is that correct? Bruce Berkey? I should never. uh, Absolutely. Correct. Never, never question Eric Holmes. (laughs) I did it once and I don't even want to talk about what happens, but I have one less finger than I had before. It's just, you know, Bruce, I told you not to mention that. Damn it. Oh God. Here goes the second one. There are fingers, there are limbs, there are bodies, there's grisliness, and there's some violence, and there's just a lot of twists and turns. And this movie, that first movie we're going to cover, it's directed, and I believe, Eric Holmes, correct me on this if I'm wrong, written and directed by Joe Latruglio from Reno 911, The State, and and Brooklyn 99 or something, 99, Brooklyn Brooklyn 99. Yes, and his movie is called Outpost. I believe it's, it's pretty much an indie horror film. I see his face everywhere. Mike almost took your eye, Kate. You need to go back to group, not into the woods. By yourself. I'm really ready. This is the best thing for me. See you in three months. Thank you, Earl. I know you pulled some strings. Yeah, well, uh, we need the help. Fire take the rest of the road? Took a lot more than that. After the big burn in 1910, Uncle Sam said the states had to bear the cost of firefighting. All these towers went up as a result. We got no water, Wi-Fi, or plumbing. All right, that's your firefinder. Tells us where to go if you see smoke. You are officially an Idaho Lands Department volunteer. Routine is key. Your head needs that. Three months is a long time. Who else knows I'm up here? Uh, just the townies. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Look at this penthouse view. Just came for the peace and quiet. <laughs> Being all alone up here may be silent. It won't be quiet. Smoke spotted over. Negative, no smoke, no fire. It's right there. You're right on top of it. You still haven't found Mike. He'll come. 30 minutes late. You need to stay in that tower. Yeah, get back up in that tower. I can't fire you. I got no one else. They keep a rifle up there? She needs to come off that mountain. Watch Earl and anyone with him. Sick of being broken. It's time to plant my feet and land a punch. You can't contain that kind of fury once it starts. No, you can't. They're coming for your tower. Kate, answer me! Don't leave the tower. Keep my mountains safe. My mountain now, too. 
And it centers on this woman. I got to find her name here. Beth something. Let me look uh, I, it up right. Go ahead. Beth Erica. Dover, I think. Oh, yeah. Beth, Beth Dover. Yes. Yes. Beth Dover. She's very good in this. She's at the beginning of the movie. You there's a there's sort of there's a scene where you see her traumatized. She's physically abused and she's understandably traumatized from the incident to actually to, to actually cool off and work through her tragedy and trauma. She decides to take a volunteer job for three months at this outpost in the Idaho wilderness. This outpost is up on like, it's what is that Angelina move? Uh, Angelina Jolie movie. Those, I forgot. those who wish me dead. Thank you, Eric Holmes. It's sort of like that. She's in this outpost high above pretty much civilization in the mountains. And her job is as a volunteer is to look to see if there's any fires or uh, different changes around the horizon. And she has a job for three months and she thinks all that alone time will give her a little bit of peace, quiet, and maybe hopefully will help her evolve and get through her situation at least as much as she can. So that is the premise of Outpost. It also co-stars Dallas Woods as a park ranger and Dylan Baker. These are some of the people from happiness. You might, he's a, uh, a widower who lives about a half a mile away in a cabin, a beautiful cabin as well. So these are a couple of the people who, and I'm going to mention the other actors in this during the review, but it's basically, it's not a one-hander, but there's maybe three or four different characters, but it's a really interesting indie horror movie. At least I did. I, I feel, I recently saw it within, I think the last 20 minutes. Let's start off with Bruce Perky on Outpost. Did this movie grab you? Were you excited about it? And did it live up to its expectation as a, in this genre field? Um, no, no, and no. Uh, it was a near miss on all fronts. Um, unfortunately for me, one, one thing I want to say, this is kind of a movie that you, okay. So you've seen movies like this before, so it needs to set itself apart. This kind of, um, woman traumatized, isolated in some location who might be a little bit mentally unstable and it leads to violence from people or in some way, you know, repulsion is a real classic example. And then recently we had men, both of those movies did something really surreal and really unique. And the problem with this one is I feel like I feel the comedy bones here. Like this is, this is one of those movies that has its feet in both worlds, right? You got the actors and the setup and some of the performances are just tipping towards comedy. And then the other side is kind of staying in kind of indie horror, like you said, Indie psychological horror, I guess I would call it. The problem is it doesn't, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't take the plunge either way. It, this could be like full on gory comedy and I could, I could see it working great. Really, really, really great. And I don't think it quite commits to that. Or it could just go super serious, you know, psychological horror and it would be okay. I think it'd be better as a comedy personally, especially with the uh, director and kind of the background. A lot of these actors I think have also played comedic or, or can play comedic roles, especially really kind of, um, sardonic ones, which would be the tone that would work here for me. Um, but unfortunately for me, it kind of became, it's like it, it had the tropes I've seen a million times and it didn't really distinguish itself enough to make it very fun for me. And I just kind of kept feeling like, oh, this could be good. Uh, this doesn't do much. Oh, no, it didn't really do much. So it just kind of kept disappointing me as it went. Again, so. the movie is Outpost. It disappointed Bruce Perky. Headlined by, like Eric said, Beth Dover in theaters and on demand May 19th. Let's get to Eric Holmes on Outpost. I'm pretty similar to where Bruce is, although I didn't see it as a, like, I guess maybe I expected it to be a comedy just because who Joel Otrulio is, but uh, uh, it became apparent pretty quickly that uh, he was going for something else on this one. And I think it kind of, this kind of almost works as a B movie 
you know, we've talked a bit about like uh, sometimes we wish that uh, a movie would lean more into the ridiculousness or like an action movie. It's like it took itself a little too seriously. Maybe it could have uh, been a little sillier, uh, stupider. Maybe a horror movie could have been a little more gory like that. You know, lean into that a little more because I don't think the uh, mental illness thing in this kind of works. I mean, I get, I, I guess it does. Like, if they lean into the B movie, definitely could have, but they kind of try to play it, play it seriously. And I think we're well past that whole trope as a thing that people actually do. But like, like she's constantly seeing stuff that's not there. Like Bruce said, it's it's a trope we've seen a lot of times. This doesn't really add to it in any meaningful way. So if they would have kind of leaned more into the, uh, you know, this is an '80s B movie. Then I I could totally go along with it. It's you know as stupid as the premise is, but I think I think this is one where they went a little too serious on something they probably shouldn't be that serious considering how they're tackling the subject matter. That said, I still enjoyed watching it. it you know, it wasn't like a oh god, when's this movie gonna end? You know, I I still enjoyed watching it. I still want to see Jolo Trulio kind of tackle horror if he wants to, or you know, kind of get out of the, I mean, we know he's great at comedy, so I'm happy to see him do stuff outside of comedy if he wants to. And so, and there's not a bad, not a bad first outing. So, oh, so you'd, you'd actually mildly recommend this movie. I I would, it's just not great. It's kind of, it's kind of, I think I liked it a little better than Bruce, but I, it's not a, it's not a total wash for me. Eric, how do you say it? Is it Joe Latruglio or Joe Latrulio? How do you, how do I pronounce it? I'd have to ask him. I have no idea. So this is a, there's a G in it. So I'm guessing Joe Latruglio. Joe or Joe Latruglio fans, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing the name. So at least it's a mild recommendation for Eric. No, probably not a recommendation from Bruce. I highly love this movie. Again, this movie is a a B movie. It straddles comedy and horror, indie horror. The lead performance by Beth Dover is fantastic. She's great in this movie. The acting by Dylan Baker, Dallas Roberts, Alto Essendo, and I think who else? There's Becky Ann Baker, Terria Campbell. I loved all of the performances by the co-stars as well as the aforementioned Beth Dover. I think it's a great journey. It's a B movie. It works as a B movie. Visually, what Joe had, I don't know what his budget was, but I really loved the way he framed a lot of the sequences in the movie. The fact that it's set in the outpost, it's visually striking the third act when obviously, you know, in this horror film, there's going to be a lot of violence and a lot of chases. I I thought I was really well-constructed and like Eric says, he hopes he, he wants to see more from Joe. And I, I think this is actually almost a straight knock a Homer out of the park from Joe as a feature, I'm assuming feature directing debut. And I, I'm just, I'm excited to see what's next from him. I loved almost I, pretty much everything about this movie. No complaints whatsoever. The setting in the Idaho wilderness makes for a very visually enticing and beautiful looking film along with the, along with the horror and the comedy. So let's get to ratings for this film. Outpost, Bruce, what's your rating? Uh, two and a half. Two and a half for Bruce. Eric, what you got? I'm slightly over that and with the three. Not, not the greatest thing, but I, you can do a lot worse. Okay, so Outpost is a strong four and a half for me. I loved everything about this movie. I highly, highly recommend this movie. I can understand where Bruce might have some, uh, and Eric has uh, misgivings about the way the plot is structured, but I, I really enjoyed the way that you put a, a subtext of a, mental health and trauma and you mix it in with this really escapist fair b movie i thought it merged really well for me didn't merge so well for bruce and eric kind of give it a mild recommendation again that's outpost in theaters digital and on demand may 19th most importantly tell us what you think of joe latruglio's debut feature directing debut 
Outpost, again, starring Beth Dover. She's so fantastic in this movie. Let's get to the next movie. Come out fighting, Eric. It's in theaters and on demand May 19th. I saw the trailer. Looks like a low-budget indie World War II film with Kellen Lutz and Dolph Lundgren, Tyrese Gibson. What, what do you got to say? Uh, Michael J. White, buried the lead there. That's cool. Okay, um, yeah, but yeah, Michael J. This White. This is, uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, opens up with uh, some air fighters or whatever, and their planes go down, and they get stuck behind enemy lines, and they're about to move out, but Michael J. White's like, hey, our buddies are there. They could still be alive when they go get them. Dolph Lundgren's like, uh, we can't have you go do that because we got to leave, and um, you know, we have other things to do. Those are more important, so uh, sorry, tough luck. And they decide they're going to go look for him anyway. And so it's kind of uh, one of those things. Overall, this is not, uh, this is not a terrible uh, movie, not a great one, but I think, uh, you know, kind of like a, kind of like, you know, someone like a Laurie Metcalf, Michael Jai White, I think makes every movie better that he's in. And Dolph Lundgren helps along with that. But, and this may have been the copy that I got. I don't know, but the sound in this was very distracting. Uh, early on, the music and the sound effects were like really loud and the dialogue was, you couldn't hear any of it. And it kind of, uh, and then when you could hear the dialogue, it was kind of wonky. So this, I don't know if this is just the copy, the screener copy I got, or if this is how it is. If this is how it is in the theaters, they may want to postpone the release on this and fix that sound before they put it out. Because, uh, when I was, when I was watching it and listening to it, I was like, this sounds like a mistake. Every bit of this sounds like it's not like Christopher Nolan where he does that, and you can tell that like that there's that kind of line where it's like this is an artistic choice, whether or not you agree with it. This this sounds like uh, someone messed up in sound mixing, I think, or I just got bad copy. But uh, beyond that, as far as the movie goes, this is uh, this is kind of leans into the silliness in the B movie, kind of what, uh, like if Outpost leaned into the B movie portion of it, like this one did, I think Outpost would have been better off for it. And this one's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely not to be taken seriously, but it's still fun to watch. And Michael Jai White's in it. Uh, there is, um, there is like some weird, okay. There's a, there's a part because a lot of this is they're like a black platoon or first black platoon or whatever. Um, so that's uh, important air quotes i didn't really catch that on this but there's uh one of the generals comes up and it's like all right you guys are uh you guys are great soldiers i don't care what color you are now let's go get those german pieces that uh, uh let's go let's go kill them crowds and I'm like okay you just <laughs> you just did a speech saying showing how not racist you are and then said let's kill these things <laughs> like I'm not. I'm not racist, and then followed it up with a racist statement. I, I get it. I get it. They're Nazis, but let's go kill these Nazis. There's a good word. Let's go kill these crowds. It's like okay, now you just all right. Kind of uh, mixed messages there. Whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Um, because you know who uh who's going to sympathize with Nazis? No one is. Especially who's going to sympathize with Nazis when Michael J. White's going after him? Not me. Wait, wait, Eric. Have, have you lived in America the last few years? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good point. Good point. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it just seems like uh, like I think the message of this movie is kind of lost, especially with stuff like that, because the dialogue doesn't quite match what I think the message is. That said, 
I wouldn't take the message too seriously because this is just kind of a, a silly World War II movie, and you either have fun with it or not. Um, How's the action on Come Out Fighting? How's the action's okay. action's not bad. There's uh, there is one scene where Michael J. White goes to fight someone, and they cut the hell out of it. Which, dude, Michael J. White can fight. You don't need to do that. <laughs> right, hold the camera back, let him do his thing, and go. That's the take we're using. Do we need to cut it down? That's not that's Michael Jai White. That's not Liam Neeson. We do not need to touch the touch a frame of this. But yeah, it, it, it's kind of the I, I want to say three star banger, but I might just go three stars on this because it's not great. And the the sound in this is so bad that it's uh, to the point that it's just I, I think if the sound was fixed, this could be a three star banger. But if the sound is as bad as my copy was, we'll just have to go regular three stars. Okay, so that is three stars on Come Out Fighting in theaters and on demand May 19th. So that is a mild recommendation from Eric Holmes. So a filmmaker that I really love is Paul Schrader, and he is back once again with Master Gardener. He wrote and directed the movie and stars Joel Edgerton as this horticulturist named, what is his name? Narvel Roth, and he works on this. Narvel. Narvel, Narvel Roth, and he works for this woman named Norma Hammer, Hammerville. Haver, no, Norma Haverhill, and she is the owner of this beautiful mansion-esque area, and there's beautiful grounds, and his job is he leads a staff of people who take care of the ground and plant, plant flowers and whatnot, and every year they have this beautiful, they, they showcase the beautiful stuff in the in the property. So everything seems to be moving okay with Narvo Roth. He is very focused on on the gardens and like most protagonists or anti-heroes in a Paul Schrader film, he's always writing in his journal at night after a long day's work. And the plot shifts when he when Norma hires him to actually become a tutor or mentor to her niece Maya, played by Quintessa, Quintessa Swindell. And once Maya enters his life, his life, Narvel's life, becomes more than just being a master gardener. He actually starts becoming involved in the life of Maya. Does this involvement lead to love or a relationship or maybe his own destruction? That's something you're going to have to find out with Master Gardener. Again, Sigourney Weaver is pretty good in this movie as well as the aforementioned rich woman, Norma. So Master Gardener, Bruce, what did you think? You didn't see this, right, Eric? You didn't check out Master? Okay. So, Bruce, what do you think of Master Gardener? Well, uh, context, uh, I think this is considered his, the third in his trilogy. I don't know what he's calling it. The <laughs> lonely guy writing in journal trilogy or something, but, uh, <laughs> first, first reformed. reformed. Yeah. yeah. First reformed and, uh, the, uh, card counter, which, yeah. uh, first reformed. I loved card counter. I was like, yeah, it was okay, but it kind of left me a little cold. I know you guys quite liked it. If I remember correctly, I or, liked it more I, than Eric. I think I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I think Eric was on the same Boat as you yeah. sort of miss, I think Eric miss. I think Eric might have been right between us, but wait either way. Either way, none of us disliked it. Um for me, this is easily the weakest of the three. There is hmm boy, there's a few things here. First thing, the symbolism here of the gardener is is so extremely heavy-handed, and the voiceover doesn't help matters when it's like it's like they wrote a script and said, like, I'm going to write the script. It's one of my scripts. That's how I do it. You know, the loner dude that's got some something in his past and there's something he could be violent. He could have some issues and there's uh women and, and there's, you know, there's, there's stuff going on here. I'm going to tie everything into gardening. We're going to make it work. We're going to, we're going to shoehorn that gardening in every little, every little pot point. Um, and it was very cringy at certain points. I thought I even wrote down one. I think I paraphrased it. 
This is one of the many great lines in this movie. I thought you had a green thumb, not a green middle finger. Uh, it was, that, was a, that was a real, real great one. There's also some very preposterous plot twists in this movie. And one happens about 20, 30 minutes in. I really want to say what it is, but I probably shouldn't, I'm guessing, Greg. Okay. And that is, yeah. let's just say there's a point where Narvel, that name's terrible, uh, where Narvel takes his shirt off. And oh my gosh, it's 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 a it's a jaw dropping moment, but it's played out so heavy handedly, and it's it's preposterous. It's preposterous. I keep saying that word because it really is. Because the business relationship he has with Norma is ridiculous. The quote mentorship, whatever kind of relationship he's going to have with the young woman, is ridiculous. The uh, shoehorned um, drama in this is ridiculous. This movie is very silly, very silly, and it takes itself very seriously. This is this is almost a so bad it's good movie, um, and I think a lot of people are going to trip over themselves loving this movie. Maybe you will, Greg. This movie is terrible. Absolutely disagree with you, Bruce, on this. Master Gardener mm-hmm. is... Well, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you know, I think it's getting mixed reviews, but I think it's... Look, it's not as good as Force Reformed or The Card Con, and I love them, love them both. <laughs> love them both. Love those two movies, but Master Gardener... First of all, excellent performances by Joel Edgerton, Sigourney Weaver, and Quintessa, Quintessa Swindell, I believe. Uh, just really good acting all around. I like the pacing of it. I, I thought everything, I didn't think it was preposterous, ridiculous. Isai Morales also co-stars as a probation officer of that um, Marvel knew from way back in the past. There's like a lot of Schrader films or some flashbacks to Marvel's past. So there's a little bit of that into it. My only complaint is not that it was preposterous. I was buying into this movie hook, line, and sinker. Until the third act, there is a great lead up for most of the movie. And then that, look, we're going, we're talking about Outpost, the movie directed by, written and directed by, by Joe Latruglio. I love the third act. And for me, the third act of Master Gardner for me was just a little bit, actually a lot disappointing considering how much I loved everything about 85% of the movie going into it. So for me, this is not as good as First Reformed or the count, card counter, but I would still recommend A, if you're a fan of Paul Schrader's work, you're going to get some really good performances and you're going to get a really awesome movie for most of it. You guys might disagree with me regarding the ending of Master Gardener. You might have thought it would work, but for me, it was just a little bit of a slight disappointment. I give Master Gardener a solid recommend, actually, three and a half out of five stars. But I was expecting, like like Bruce said, I, I was expecting like four, four and a half, just out of this world Schrader. But still, I'm glad it's Schrader. It's another Schrader movie that I, I'm glad that I watched. Bruce, what's your rating on Master Gardener? Two. Two stars and Master Garner. That is brutal, Bruce. My goodness. Can't believe that. That's is very The only person who knew what movie they were in was uh Sigourney Weaver and she almost camped it up and made it fun. She was great. I I, I, I have my I finger just, on the one thing. <laughs> so when you said two, I'm like, oh he loved it. <laughs> Okay, so that is, again, that is Master Gardener in May 19th in theaters. Now let's get to something that is on Blu-ray and DVD this week. This is a movie called Young Ip Man. No, Donnie Yen is not in it. It is a well-go USA Entertainment release. It's currently this week. It was released on Blu-ray and DVD. We, all three of us, received a screener link to Young Ip Man, 79 minutes. And pretty much the plot line centers on, I think it's set in Hong Kong in the year 1917 and Ip Man is trying is continuing his studies he left home to become a scholar maybe a scholar or learn more about the world unfortunately his school gets and his fellow students are kidnapped by this really uh, this this villain who at the beginning of the movie breaks out of prison thanks to his henchmen and a henchwoman they break him out of prison and this person 
this bad man, he goes into the school, kidnaps a student, and he is demanding that for several gold bars and if if he doesn't get gold bars and some other stuff from the commissioner of the area, then these students, a bunch of these students will die at his hands or the hands of his men and his hench woman. That is a premise of young it man. Also, there's some really interesting. It's not a, well, I don't even know. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to mention any twists, but there's also uh, it man's close friend from childhood. He pops up in the movie as a person who is just as skilled in the, the art of Wing Chun, just as much as Ip Man. There's a lot of action in this movie. And again, only 79 minutes. Let's see if the lo- the low running time and also the action was something that appealed to Eric Holmes. What do you think? I believe uh, this uh, should be titled Die Hard in the School, and I kind of dug it. Um, the This is definitely, I, I think this is kind of like three-star banger territory where the the it man movies are weird because they they're you know it, it man's the person that existed and so these are like fantasy biopics but not really yeah. and, and you know it's like there's no way all this stuff could happen in real life and I think where they on like the twelfth it man movie at this point I, I don't know how many they have but they're they're fun the actions uh, mostly good um, much like with come out fighting there's a couple scenes in here where you can tell that the the actors are. Uh, kind of nailing the action and they there's a couple parts where they cut it too quick and that out it, it almost seems like a slap in the face of the stunt team when you do stuff like that but that's kind of a small complaint on this one this is another one i didn't really take too seriously but i thought the action was good enough and the story was the story was what it was it's just something to hang action on um and i just kind of dug it for that bruce young it man what do you think um, well, first of all, action's not my thing. We've kind of talked about that before. So I think anything I rate it, if you like action, you'd probably want to rate it at least a star higher than me because it's not really my thing. I think that uh, it was okay. Uh, I think the things that really kind of hurt it for me, first of all, I don't know anything about the Ip Man. I've not watched any Ip Man movies. So I don't know if this ties into other movies as far as like an ongoing like plot story. It seems like since it's young Ip Man, it's prequely. But I don't know if there have been multiple young Ip Men either as well. So there might be. Either way, I guess to the negative side, I, I, it was, I definitely don't like the CGI-ness of it. There's a lot of CGI kind of stuff in here. And, I, and I'm kind of more leaning to the side of like, let's just watch the fighting and let the fighting be the fighting. It doesn't mean you can't have some wire work or so a few things like that in there. But um, things like that really would pull me out with like the, you know, fake fire and like, you know, they'd throw a dart and the dart would be CGI. Stuff like that just kind of pulls me out a little bit. And then it was just the tone overall was kind of a little soap opery, a little bit like almost like teen. This is almost feels like a teen Disneyfied version of Kung Fu to me in a little way, in a little bit. But then at other times it was actually surprisingly mean. <laughs> so that kind of pulled me back in a little bit. So I, it, it, it was a little bit all over the place tone wise, but I really enjoyed certain scenes I enjoyed the villain. I thought he was kind of chewing up the scenery and having a good time with it. The way he kind of sit up in his window with his cloth covered microphones and, you know, talk to the world and make his proclamations and all that. That was all kind of fun. But for me, it was just kind of a very middle of the road. So it's, this is balancing on the edge of recommending or not kind of a thing. I really enjoy this movie. Young It Man has some really good action. I didn't mind the CGI whatsoever. Really. I'm a, I'm an action fan. You know, obviously, Donnie Yen's not going to be part of Young It Man, but this is a Young It Man. And I liked actually how some of the action scenes played out because we realized this is not It Man at his the peak of his power. So the way certain action sequences played out in this movie surprised me. 
like Bruce was saying about the villain, the villain has a very interesting backstory. And there's something about the villain's relationship with Ip Man, which I'm not going to get into, is, that's very interesting as well. And a couple of questions that are left unanswered. I also like the way the third act wrapped up. It's completely different. You're, you're thinking of like, whether it's a, a movie like the, the Ip Man series, you're thinking of a showdown at the end, like sort of a last gunfighter, gunslinger, mano y mano situation. But it, the, Final confrontation plays out in a different manner, which I really appreciate as well. Obviously, is it a high class action film that's like two hundred million dollar movie? Not on that level, but I enjoyed the action as much. I I didn't mind the CGI performances were fine, and I liked the actual plotting of Young Ip Man. I was surprised at how much I really enjoyed it. At seventy nine minutes for me, I'm giving Young Ip Man a strong recommend. Four stars. What is your rating, Bruce? Uh, I'm probably two and a half, but like I said, if you like action movies, you'll probably be a little higher. I, I didn't hate my time with it. I enjoyed it more than Master Gardener. I'll say that. <laughs> so. right, cool. Cool. So that's two and a half for, for Bruce Berkey. For Young Yip Man, I give it four stars. Eric, what are you giving it? Yeah, we'll do three banger. I think uh, kind of like, uh, kind of like um, you know, if you like these kind of movies, uh, this is a good one to watch. And I think you're going to dig it. Um, if you're like Bruce, you know, this isn't going to be the one to pull you in. So I think uh I think three bangers kind of right where this where this lives. Okay, so that is that is that. I know, yeah. I, I was surprised at how much I actually I was really not even actually excited to watch this movie, but it turned out to be kind of kind of a pretty good movie. I was, I was surprised at how much I liked it. And again, it's not Bruce's uh, action is not your big thing. Do you have a favorite action action movie, Bruce? Just in general, right off the top, or well, I mean, just recently we saw Sisu, and, and Sisu was oh. a heck of a lot more fun. So yeah, Tenet, right? Yeah, it's not even action. Come on now, no, uh, Sisu was really fun for me, you know. And I I even enjoy the the John Wick movies. They don't they don't pull me in to watch them like right away, but when I watch them, I have a good time. Okay, speaking of good time, there's a, a documentary that I told Eric and Bruce. I go, you know, we're, we're doing about eight or nine movies this week. You guys, th- these are the movies we're spotlighting on this episode of Cinematics. And look, you can actually, don't worry about the thief collector. Well, if we get to it, we'll get to it. But we weren't able to get to it. I go, you know what? No one's gotten to it yet. I should get to it. It's an art high stock, and I feel very bad. The Thief Collector should have been our lead story for for cinematics. It's a great, great doc. And it is, again, I, my bad because Eric Holmes tried to tie everything in together with our review of Blackberry, which stars Glenn Howerton. And Glenn Howerton is also in The Thief Collector. It's a, it's a documentary by Allison Otto, and it's called A Film by Allison Otto. And the reason why it's called A Film by Allison Otto is you have some re- recreations which star Glenn Howerton. Okay. And, and, and it's really interesting. It's part documentary, part recreations of on what could have happened. So the premise of this, and I, I hope, hopefully I get this correct with the thief collector. It centers on a Willem de Kooning painting called woman ochre. And it's a, it, one of his, just a very interesting modern day art piece of work that was back in 85. It was stolen at the time. It was worth about $400,000. It was stolen from the University of Arizona Museum of Art. And 32 years later, that painting was found in the home of the suburban couple. And their names are, let me, Jerry and Rita Alter. Jerry and Rita Alter. And in the recreations, Glenn Howerton plays Jerry. So Jerry and Rita Alter, they lived in rural New Mexico in this area called Cliff, New Mexico. Beautiful home out in the middle of of nowhere. And it's amazing that these people, this guy, their nephew 
was in charge of their estate after both alters passed away. Okay. So the nephew was in charge of the state and he actually gave the estate to these, to these guys for about several thousand dollars. And lo and behold, that painting, William de, William de Kooning's Woman Ochre was found and it's worth now, it was worth at the time $160 million. So basically in 30 plus years, it went up quite, quite a bit. And it's just a very interesting look at the lives of Jerry and Rita Alter. And it's one of these movies where as, as a documentary rolls around, goes on, you, you're just surprised at who these people were. They traveled all around the world with not one of them usually worked at the same time. So they were not exactly a two income family. Jerry retired early at 47. Sounds like me. You know, with me, me, me in the podcasting. So Jerry retired early and Rita was a speech pathologist for most of her life. So it's interesting. They were wondering, people were wondering, how can they afford this beautiful home out in the middle of New Mexico? And then every, their main passion was traveling all around the world to the most be- exotic locations across, across the earth. And so this documentary explores how they were able to afford these travels. It looks into, could they have actually stolen that painting? Or how, how did they come across that painting? A lot of these questions are not fully answered in this documentary, but that does not make this documentary, The Thief Collector, um, not worthy for watching. It is a very fascinating watch. I highly recommend this movie. For me, The Thief Collector, my only complaint is they had two kids, and I wish the director, Allison Otto, actually spent a little bit more time talking about the the fate of both children and exploring that. And they're just put to the side a little bit. Okay. That said, this movie is really about the husband and wife who really, Jerry and Rita Alter, who really loved each other very much. They were passionate and it's really interesting. Oh, I feel so bad that you guys didn't see this documentary. This is, a, this is what uh, I think you guys would have considered this one a banger for, but for me, the thief collector, which it comes out in on demand and in theaters, May 19th, again, a film by Alison Otto and his co-starring Glenn Howerton as Jerry. Um, I'm giving it four and a half stars, four and a half out of five stars for the thief collector. Hopefully down the road, you guys, and it's going to be out via film rise. Hopefully you guys might see it down the road or we'll see it when it gets streaming. And hopefully, um, ah, it's, I'm so glad that I'm, I'm one of the early watchers of this documentary. I just feel bad that not more people have seen the thief collector. Now let's get to our next film. It's a movie called sanctuary and it stars Christopher Abbott and Margaret Qualley. It's a two-hander. How? Yes, of course. Come in. Nice place. Is this the bathroom? This needs to be cleaned. I want you to clean behind the toilet. Is that dirty? Yes. When you think of yourself, what do you see? Garbage? Oh, yes. You aren't anything. I really liked that scene. Me too. It's going to be so weird to not have this as part of my routine anymore. What do you mean? You know, this job. Your new role at the company. A CEO. Yeah, it's a really big deal. This is not a good idea to keep doing this. 
how your new job, you wouldn't be able to do it without what I taught you. What do you want? Half of the salary for the job that I got you. You're insane. It would be a story. CEO shoves cotton swab into own penis when commanded. Denver Dominatrix tells all. But I mean, when you say it like that, it makes it sound weird. There's a camera hidden in this hotel suite. I don't want to play right now. I'm not. You filmed our session secretly? But if I wanted to, I can get rid of you. Look at you. You love this. Are you excited? Take off your pants. You don't have the power. I do. What the fuck? What do you want? I unlock something in you. No. Sanctuary, sanctuary. The safe word is sanctuary. Do you even know why you're doing this? Or is this just the game? Yes. Look at me. Don't look at me. Sorry. She, Margaret Qualley, plays a dominatrix. She enters the domicile. He lives in a, of Christopher Abbott. Christopher Abbott lives in his beautiful apartment in some beautiful Tony area of town. And he is about to become a, inherit his father's, I believe, hotel empire. He's worth an estimated about $180, $185 million. This character, um, this person played by Chris, Christopher Abbott. So obviously with a son about to inherit an empire, his sexual fantasy obviously is to become powerless. And that is the job of the dominatrix is to make him powerless. And that has been their sessions, I guess. I don't know how long it's been going on, but they've had that business pleasure connection for a while. Ultimately, what happens is since he's going to be crowned the next king of the this hotel empire, he gives her a parting gift of this really expensive, beautiful watch. But that's not really cool because when people give some an employee an employee a watch, that means, hey, I just fired you. I just let you go. See you later. He tries to give her a parting gift, but she decides, hey, you know what? I'm worth more than a, a stupid watch. And there's no way that this, my client is just going to let me go just like that. So the rest of the movie deals with a battle of wills between this multi-millionaire played by Christopher Abbott and an heir to that, that, that wonderful fortune versus this working class sex worker. And it's a very interesting movie, at least from my vantage point. Bruce Perky, your thoughts on Sanctuary? Yes, I agree. Um, I kind of wish that the descriptions didn't even say as much as you said, but I know they do. So we'll have put it out there because you kind of need to know that. that. But we, one thing you have to understand is how this movie starts. It doesn't start with that premise being known. And I didn't know that premise. I didn't read anything yeah. when I watched it. Because it comes in and you just see her coming in, you know, dressed up to the nines, looking like a businesswoman. And she wants to interview him. And it's presented as she's going to interview him to see kind of a background review to see if he's going to buy the board of the company to see if he's, you know, going to be uh, okay to possibly take over that position. So you have about a 20 minute segment at the beginning of this movie where it slowly starts going down the path and you start getting the sense that something's not right here. Something's different. And the, the power dynamic between them becomes apparent to the point where, and it's a really great moment. Once again, we already know this now, some degree, there's a great moment where they kind of stop because he's written the script of what she's supposed to say. And you see the, the counter, the kind of back and forth about how to stick to that script. And it's very interesting how 
then it slips back into the script, but you're not sure that it slipped back into the script until you go a little further and you're like, oh, are we back in the script now? Or is this actually now just freeforming? And the whole movie turns on that opening 20 minutes because that you're in a constant, um, I guess as a viewer, to me, how it worked was you're in a constant quandary about whether this is another version of their role play. This is another version of their, of their ongoing power dynamic, or is this an actual conflict between them? And you're constantly pulled back and forth between those two poles. Uh, but this is a movie that will easily fall for people if they don't like the characters, because they're kind of unlikable, or they're at least not intrigued by the characters. Like I could, for example, I could see Eric tipping either way on this. I could see him loving the hell out of this movie. I could also see him being annoyed to the hell out of this movie and just giving it like one star because he hates he hates everything about it. So I, I'd be really curious to see what he thought. I I really loved the ride and I felt frustrated at times, but in good ways. Uh, frustrated with the characters, but in good ways. And this is a smart script where I think it it lets you get frustrated with what the character's doing, but then it answers that frustration by letting the characters also be really annoyed by what's happening or being angry or being, you know, how they how do they get sucked back in? Because this is a, basically, like you said, it's a two-hander. This could easily be a stage play. It may have been a stage play. I don't know. Um, yeah. But I can see it. I can see it being a stage play. It's framed as such, right? It's framed as yeah. such. Yeah. Because it's basically all in that apartment and the outside or the hotel room, I guess it is very fancy hotel room and the outside hallway and the elevator. And that's it. Never Bruce, goes anywhere else. Bruce, you're actually more eloquent than me. No trolling here. Can, can we say something about the visuals? The visuals really pop too. It's a beautiful yeah. looking movie, correct? Like a, yeah, it looks really good. It's really rich. Um, and it's, it's filmed in a really interesting way. It's, it's active. The camera is active. There's a very active point of view in this. Yeah, the writer, it's based on a screenplay from Micah Bloomberg. I, I don't know if I, I don't remember if I interviewed Micah Bloomberg, but he's actually one of the co-creators of that Amazon Prime video, that Prime video series that I really enjoyed. I believe it's called, um, Homecoming. I could be wrong on this. I'm looking it up right now. I think he did Homecoming, but it's anyways, just a very, very good movie all around. Also, Bruce, was, were your allegiances towards the characters? Did you go, were you on the, the guy's side for a second and then did you go to the woman's side or did you, we flipping back. I and won't forth. say which side I stayed on, but I mostly stayed on one side. But it did it did definitely pull you. And I think definitely depending on your life experiences and kind of your expectations for things, you could be pulled back and forth pretty easily. So you think it also has something to say about class warfare? That oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, pretty explicitly, <laughs> right? Yeah. What and yes, satisfying. You're probably going to say this. It's very satisfying ending. I thought really. I was reading yes. a review saying someone said it was a very pat ending, which I disagreed with. I, I thought the mm. ending was, I went back and I rewatched the ending. No. It's, what about a, a second watch of Sanctuary? Do you think it merits it as far as, is it hits you good and maybe you don't want to see it again or hits, hits you good and maybe you might pick up things on, on a second watch? You know, I'm not sure. I think that, I think there's enough really interesting interplay between the two and definitely acting. Uh, especially by Margaret Qualley, because she was new to me. I mean, I already knew that I like Chris Rabbit, but Margaret Qualley was new. I think there's enough interplay and interesting like interaction between them to, to pull you back in a second time. The, the the surprise of it would definitely be lost, though, because the, the, the way it plays out is, is there's a level of surprise to it, I think. so. But I think it's rewatchable. I think it is. Uh, I'm going to annoy you every single week, Bruce, with... I will... <laughs> with these questions when i asked you about lewis pullman and you said and we, yeah, last week you said bill pullman for starling girl right mm -hmm. okay so margaret qualley her mother is 
Oh, I don't know. You have to tell me this one now. Andy Quali. <laughs> Talib Kweli, oh. no Andy McDowell. Andy McDowell is her oh. Margaret Kweli's. Not not that Talib was a Kweli. little less predictable yeah. for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but a- Andy McDowell is Margaret Kweli's mother. I guess we know where she gets her talent from. So she's very very good in this movie. I agree. I, I think she was in a limited series or a series called Made on Netflix, which got some really good reviews. Mm-hmm. Have to see. I definitely want to see. Her work in that after watch like you, I was just, wow, she's so good in Sanctuary. And Christopher Abbott's also very good, but considering oh, yeah. where his character is, characters Hal and the, the Margaret Qualley plays Rebecca, where Hal has to go to his character himself without giving too much away. It's, it's a less showy performance, intendedly so, for Sanctuary. Bruce, um, I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I also stand by the comment I made to you that um, Christopher Abbott is definitely, absolutely a thousand percent the new Michael Douglas, because he is in a lane, if you have not noticed, between this and piercing and possessor. He, let's just say, I won't be surprised when his personal life tells us certain things about his predilections. <laughs> say that. Oh, art imitating life. Or, you know what? Hopefully it's not art imitating life or life imitating art. However, courses for horses, horses for courses. We'll see what uh, we're hoping. Christopher Abbott's a normal guy, but he really plays very intense roles. I, by the way, my bad on and on giving possessor a mixed review. I was completely wrong in that movie from several years back. Bruce was ahead of the curve. I think Eric Holmes liked possessor as well. Did you love did you praise possessor? Do you remember, Eric? I, I, I remember Bruce really loving it, and I think I gave it a mixed review. And I, I don't know if you were just on, on board. Is I think the, you were, yeah. is that the one where the uh Andrea Riseborough, uh, yeah, serial killer, okay. the killing yeah. thing, going to bodies, yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, so you were, you were, yeah, I guess my bad on that one. So, anyways, regarding the ratings for Sanctuary in theaters May nineteenth, and thankfully, it's it's going to be on demand June second is on, so that should be interesting as well. Am I, wait, did I say on demand? I think it's going to be in. I'm going to check that in a second. In in theaters May nineteenth, it might be just wider release on. June 2nd. But first, Bruce Perky, final thoughts and your rating on Sanctuary. Um, I'm going to go four and a half on this one. I think it's strong. Wow. Four and a half ratings on Sanctuary. I was going to go four and a half on Sanctuary. Let me see right now. It's Again, it's in limited release Friday, May 19th and my, not on demand. My bad. It's going to be wide release on June 2nd. Four and a half, a strong four and a half stars for Bruce Perky. Sanctuary. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say it right now. Bang it. Five star bang. Five star bang. <laughs> I'm gonna watch this again. It, this is so good. Again, the ending. And with that banger, banger season. Ask me. Continues. Ask me permission, and I'll let you bang it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what Bruce said right now, you could actually relate that line to a certain section in the movie. Very dry wit, Bruce, on that regarding Sanctuary. Four and a half stars for Bruce. Five star banger for me from Sanctuary. I, I I don't know if the link is still live for you, Eric Holmes, but this is a movie I think since you are a writer at heart and you're also a muralist you're also an artist but you uh i think it'd be interesting if you, to get your thoughts on sanctuary especially since it's exposition laden but and I, I respect dominatrixes okay i re- i respect sex workers i mean no trolling yeah. i mean they work i i i i even respect 180 million dollar uh, heirs don't you bruce well, yeah but her performance is electric <laughs> i mean come on her yes. performance is amazing <laughs> Look, in a just world, right? We're talking year end yes. nominations, right? For Margaret Qualley. She'll please? get the Andrea Riseborough Award for. You're not awesome. popular enough. You shouldn't be in here. Exactly. Bruce, is, is, that, is that not what happened with the Andrea Riseborough? Yeah. 
it's it's one of those things, Bruce. If we were voters, I and look, I'm a voter for the Critics' Choice. I am going to look. It's uh, the year's almost halfway over, but it'll be hard to find a, a bunch of other actresses who are better than Margaret Qualley. I, I think she's going to be right up there on my nomination list this year. And you know, I'm sure maybe if we bring back the Find Your Film Cinematics Awards, it might be on your list as, as well too. So. uh We'll see. Get to Sanctuary, Eric. We'll see what you think about it. But you know what you did get to, Eric? You got to something called Mogwai or Don't Put Water. I don't know. What 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 thing are you excited to talk about? What's the you're talking about bangers? You've been waiting for this for years. Tell us about it. Yes. I've been waiting uh since nineteen ninety when Gremlins two came out for anything extra that's gremlins and i mean we have uh 13 critters movies the uh, 120 it mans uh like the 14 ghoulies like we got sequels for everything gremlins and gremlins 2 are the two greatest movies ever made and we wait in nothing nothing i keep is that arguable that. is that arguable eric that no, Grim- no, no no it's not arguable it's, it's, it's fact. Closed. okay, it's fact. okay. We, we've established this <laughs> gremlins and gremlins 2 are the greatest movies ever made and uh keep hearing uh talk of gremlins 3 and the time comes and goes and no gremlins 3 and then eventually they mentioned gremlins secret of the mogwai coming out and and in my head i'm like i will believe it when i see it well i have seen it Wait, wait, no, um, no, 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 Eric. A quick question, Bruce, and I'm sure you're going to ask this question too, Bruce. When you got it, Eric, how long did it take you to finish the whole? I, I mean, this is not. I'm not talking about Sanctuary. I'm talking about Gremlins. Okay, <laughs> okay. so there's so there's ten episodes, yeah, around twenty thirty minutes a piece. So do the math. That's how long it took me to watch the whole thing. Did you? No, I'm I'm saying. Did you just you got the link? Did you just immediately just watch yes. it and then say, yes. oh? Yes. <laughs> Okay, just me. The the smoke was coming off my finger. I clicked on the mouse so fast. <laughs> okay, I had sorry. to buy another mouse because I clicked it so hard it just <laughs> punctured a hole right through it. Um, okay, I'm, so sorry. To, I'm sorry, Eric. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, so to say I was excited for this is an understatement. Uh, I can't really say because I watched the whole thing. It premieres on May 23rd, Tuesday, this Tuesday coming up. And I believe they got the first two episodes. Uh, they'll play the first two episodes, May 23rd, and then an episode every week after that. And this is on Max, HBO Max. I yeah, think they call it Max now. Yeah, they're going to be calling it Max soon. I think within within like the hour or the next couple yeah. of days or yeah. Now, so the first two episodes that'll come out is just get, kind of setting the world up because it's a, it has the same similar things that the uh, first two gremlins do is here's the rules of the Mogwai. Don't break the rules. They break the rules. Gremlins come. Mayhem goes on. But they do something a little, they kind of go a little different than this where like, uh, kind of similar how gremlins is, uh, you know, as the movie goes on, it kind of takes a turn and becomes not the movie you're expecting. And then Gremlins 2 comes out, and it's essentially the same plot. Here's the rules. Break the rules. Mayhem happens. But Gremlins, Gremlins 2 are like wildly different movies. This is kind of the same thing. It's It's got the basic same bones as the first two, but it goes in different directions. And I kind of appreciated that. One thing that kind of... uh I, did, I, I wouldn't say I didn't like it, but it kind of threw me off a bit. Was it kind of play fast and loose with Gizmo, with Bright Light? But they do that in the Gremlins too, where he's you know walking out in daytime, but he's technically in the shadow, so he's fine. Uh, they do a lot of this in the here where you see him clearly like running in shadows, but it's uh, like on the brightest, like the 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 way the animation is like really brightly lit and everything. It was like, oh, this is, 
should just could have set this at nighttime and you would have been fine with that. But uh, so they play a little fast and loose with the uh, specifically the bright light thing. But um, other than that, uh, it's fine. I don't know what uh, is fair to say and what isn't. So I'm not really going to get into much. But if you like, uh, if anyone's interested, I will do kind of uh, I mean, I can just do an episode recap. And if people watch it, then I'll continue to do those. And if no one gives a crap, uh, I will. So I'll continue to do them anyway. So, I mean, we're, we're kind of under embargo, right, for for Gremlins as far as like a full-on review. You're just giving your general yeah, overall. Yeah, I can just give general thoughts of the whole thing. Because, like, I, I don't want to say, and then in episode five, this happens. Because, right. I mean, of that's course. not going to happen for that. another couple of weeks. And, uh, like, whether we're under embargo or not, that'd just be a dick move of me to do that. But I'll okay. I'll, 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 I'll talk about them. Uh, Once you I'll talk lives. about them. Yeah, weekly. Um, but uh, yeah, the first two episodes, uh, the, the the animation's great. It's adorable. Just so you know, uh, later on when the gremlins, uh, I don't think it's a spoiler to say eventually gremlins are going to pop up. Uh, but when they finally do, they get, uh, j- just like the movies, they're not afraid to get violent with it. Um, there's not blood flying everywhere, but... Don't let the uh, cutesy animation fool you. This is definitely a gremlins, and they get uh, they get mean when they need to get mean. Okay, but they're also hilarious when they need to get hilarious. <laughs> there's, okay. one, there's one part with the they kept shocking his butt that was hilarious. But uh, we'll get there when we get there. But yeah, that's uh, overall this is great. Probably go four and a half, but uh, just because like the fasten loose with the uh, with the uh, bright light rules. Other than that, this is uh, you were not disappointed. No, no, no. I that I, I really like this. Okay, uh, so but also keep in mind, I'm in the bag for this automatically. <laughs> so uh, uh, maybe if uh, when it comes out and you watch it and you think differently, then uh, let me know. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought it was pretty great. Um, cool. Especially, especially episode five comes around. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. Get especially. excited. Okay, we'll get to, we'll get there when we get there. But Gremlins, what is it? Secrets of the Mugwai. Yep. And okay, Max went again. May twenty. May twenty third. Uh, this Tuesday. This Tuesday. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. So Eric will have some more updates on the first, maybe the first two episodes for next week. We have a jam packed week, but we're gonna we we'll always gonna have room for Gremlins because Gremlins one and Gremlins two are the best films ever made. From exactly, so, exactly, exactly from America. It's from America. I'm just okay. I'm not going to argue with that. I was going to say Brian De Palma's Raising Kane, but I think most people would go with the Gremlins movies. Now, uh, let's... Uh, Brian De Palma's Raising Kane is also the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> okay, Bruce, wait, you want to throw another greatest movie on, that you can't argue with? What's the greatest movie ever made? Oh, I know what you uh, could say. He's got an H and M, but yes. Uh, no, I'll say Return of the Living Dead. How's that? Okay, very good. So we got, so we got, we got the uh, yeah, Raising King, Gremlins One and Two, Return of the Living Dead. Who's you know what? I'll just throw Clockwork Orange and uh, Dinner in America there, since Anderson's <laughs> not here to do it for us. <laughs> okay, oh, good. Groupers, obviously Groupers. Yeah, know, obviously Groupers. Unless it's grown. Now, as far as Mount Rushmore films, let's get to this week's box pick. But before I get the box pick again. What does Peter Beta do every week, Bruce Parkey? I, I used to drop the beat, but I think now he rocks the beat? Remove your hand from the box, and you die. What's in the box? Pain. Peter Beta, thank you so much. You can catch Peter Beta weekly at Middle Class Film Class with his crew, Tyler Noe and Joseph Navarro. Here we are, speaking of crew. Would you ever want to watch a movie about aluminum sidemen called Tin Men? 
set in, I think, early 60s-ish, I could be wrong, in Baltimore, yep. starring Richard Dreyfuss and Danny DeVito. They're both uh, salesmen. They sell aluminum siding for homes, okay? They live in different, they have different, uh, they work for different companies, but they both do the same job. What happens is, I believe the movie starts with Richard Dreyfuss' character. He's buying a new Cadillac, I believe, and as soon as he backs out of the dealership, there's a fender bender with another with Danny DeVito's character. That fender bender leads to road rage. Both of them are at each other's throats. And the rest of the movie has them trying to one-up each other on the revenge game. Barbara Hershey plays the uh, the frustrated wife of Danny DeVito's character. And she has a very big role in this movie as well. The movie is written and directed by Barry Levinson, a great, great filmmaker. We'll get to him in a second. The movie was released in 1987. It's rated R. This week's What's in the Box pick. I want to do a little bit of little 50-yard dash legwork for you, Bruce, before we get to Tin Man. Yeah. It's oh, now your cool, turn. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So so this was um, kind of a de facto. Uh, we changed it up because I couldn't find the other one very easily. And uh, was it Matt Stillman, I think? Who, who, who suggested this? Matt Stillman? Yeah. Matt Stillman said I should watch this one. And I thought, okay. I never saw this movie. I remember being out forever. I remember seeing it around. I didn't think much of it. I didn't know what to think of it. So I thought, cool. Watch. I'll watch um, good old Tin Man. Barry Levinson. He's a great director. You know, he's made a lot of great movies. I think that... If you've seen his movies, one that should immediately come to mind is probably Diner, uh, for sure. If you have seen Diner, uh, I guess he has a whole bunch of Baltimore movies, but I think- Liberty Heights. Of, yeah. Yeah, but in kind of in tone and, and style, that uh, this this movie is is right in there with Diner in some ways. Uh, of course, Rain Man's great, but a different sort of movie. So, like you said, if you ever want to talk about script writing and an inciting incident, this is like the most textbook example you could ever have, where he's literally buys a car, backs it into the street, and gets hit by Danny DeVito, and so begins their antagonistic relationship for the entire movie. But that is not, if you like this movie, which I actually like this movie a lot, way more than I thought I would. I didn't know what to think this movie was going to be. If you like this movie, it's not because of that ongoing feud between the two it's because it builds this whole world of these these huckstery salesmen in the 60s all around aluminum siding weirdly so this is 87 and what i kept thinking of when i was watching this and i never would have suspected this is i kept thinking of goodfellas Whoa. which is like three years later because this is essentially in the same bar ballpark as goodfellas if goodfellas weren't mobsters and instead they are, you know, lifelong hucksters in this this aluminum siding sales game, then I think it kind of feels the same. If you like Goodfellas, I think you should like this movie, honestly. Okay, if you forgive me on this, Bruce, um, let me just interject here. Actors involved, a lot, other than Richard Yes, Lattis, yes, Jay list them. Yes. Seymour Cassell, Bruno Kirby, J.T. Walsh, Matt Craven, it's John Mahoney. Jackie Gale. These are just some of the actors involved. Yes. And each of these people, like Bruce was saying, trying to allude to, they each have their moment in the sun. The writing yeah. is crackerjack. Sorry, Bruce, go ahead. Yes, crackerjack. So this is so and then once again, I'm gonna keep saying Goodfellas, because when you think of Goodfellas, sure, you got the story and what the you know, what's happening with uh was it Henry Hill and all this stuff. But what you remember are these scenes where they're all sitting around and there's just this banter and they're busting each other's balls and there there's like this this weird antagonistic camaraderie and this movie is full of that but then it also has the you know the antagonism between the two main characters and they each have their own crews 
and they interact with each other multiple times throughout the movie. The way they interact with each other is fun and surprising. And Barbara Hershey cannot be underestimated in this movie. She's so good in this movie. She is uh, freaking fantastic. <laughs> I'll keep Look, it at freaking. I am, I'm so mad. I looked Grandma up. Show, Bruce. No, no, no. Bruce, you did. You <laughs> say that. I'm so mad right now because I looked on IMDb. Barbara Hershey, no Oscar nomination for 10 men. What? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. This movie is, I think, highly underrated. Maybe it's beloved, but I feel like it's highly underrated, honestly. Okay, so um, what, what is her name? Kim Morgan from the the screenwriter. She's a screenwriter. She's a film critic. But she she what was that movie with Bradley Cooper that she did with uh, Guillermo del Toro, del Toro? It was Kim Morgan. She wrote the screenplay too. What was that Phantom? What is it? What was that movie that Guillermo did a couple years ago with Bradley Cooper? Was in its uh, in oh, some, oh uh, the Midnight. Uh, Kate Blanchett's in it, right? What was Nightmare Alley? Right, Nightmare Alley. Thank you. My Kim, brain was trying to catch on. Yeah, Kim Morgan, the screenwriter of Nightmare Alley from a couple years ago. And by the way, that's another movie which I I liked, but I gave a middling review. And I'm feeling that I feel if I rewatch that movie, I would like it even more. So, anyways, my, my bad. But Kim Morgan was saying she tweeted several years back, like back in 2019. I checked it out, and she said, "By the way, is it me or is Tin Men so highly underrated?" Right? Yes. It's, it's highly underrated. This is this is grand entertainment. This is so freaking entertaining. There are so many great character moments. There are scene after scene. This is you talk about rewatchability. This is one of those movies, I'll say it again, like Goodfellas, like Diner, like Big Lebowski. Any of these movies where it's chock full of characters and character interactions that you just love and can watch again and again and again. This movie is one of those movies. I know it's sacrilege. I know it's sacrilege saying this. I prefer this over diner. I can't believe I'm I, saying this. I, I love it so much. I think I do too, because I, I don't know. There's, there's a built-in, I think the trio of main characters in this with Dreyfus and DeVito and Hershey, I think, I think the dramatic arc that goes on there to me is, is even more compelling in a movie that's already just on its face, just fun to watch. All three of them give some of their best performances. Like, one of their best performances are yes. are from each of these three actors. And then, like you said, Bruce, the co-stars in this film give some of their best co-starring work, right? Yes. And it, it's this movie is so good that I know Barry Levinson is beloved by cinephiles. This makes me actually, I mean, I, I know I sound like an idiot right now. This makes me look at Barry Levinson in a, a completely high light. I, I mean, I know we know Diner, the whole litany, you got Wag the Dog. Rain Man, we know how great he is, but this movie, it feels so personal and lived in. The diner moments in this movie, the breakfast joint moments, you could feel the toast. You could taste yes. the, the eggs and the coffee and the sweat stains and all that stuff. So, Did you read any of the, the trivia on this? No, no. You're talking about being lived in and personal. This is great trivia from this movie I was reading. So, you know, the weird little like row houses that Danny DeVito lives in? My gosh, right? right? No, yeah. listen. Listen to this. This is great. So uh, Levinson was trying to describe the kind of house he wanted Danny DeVito's house to be. I don't Have you seen this movie, by the way, Eric? No. Okay. Eric no. needs to watch this movie like tomorrow. He's talking about these weird row houses, right? And he's trying to get his production designer to find the house to use for the exteriors of this row house. And the guy's like, I can't find anything like what you describe. So then Barry Levinson apparently just goes like, okay, here's the address where I lived as a kid. Go there. And they did. And that's the exterior. <laughs> so oh it's God. his house as a kid that's the exterior of that that is so amazing I, this is one of those movies that inspires me so much that I'm going to probably go to my local DVD store yes purchase up just Barry Levinson movies I mean I'm not expecting them to be as great as Tin Man but I just based on the on the karmic creative goodwill of Tin Man I'm just going to start buying up the Barry Levinson collection to be honest so, yeah yeah um, this movie is like just 
I think he's got like five or six movies coming out. Oh, Levinson. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty, he's prolific, yeah. but it's just one of these movies where Bruce, you and I are pretty much the same age. One of the reasons why you probably, and you and me ignored Tinman when it came out was because when yeah. it came out, it left the theaters immediately. Right. Yeah, and it just doesn't seem like you, I mean, this could easily be a dull period piece. It is so much not that. It's funny too. Also, I was thinking, I watched like 20 minutes of it and I immediately messaged Pete because talking about Pete Aveda, he's a super car guy, right? And I watched this like the first 15 minutes of this movie. And I'm like, this is a car movie, Pete. Watch this movie <laughs> because it is very much a car movie. I really hope people over at the middle class, the middle, middle uh, class home class crew, they, they review this movie. This is how much I love 10 men. So, how did you actually watch this, Bruce? Did you uh, rent it? Is yeah, yeah, I rented it. Um, and it's well worth it for what is it three and like three bucks or something like that. It wasn't much. Um, and I, this is this is also one I would consider buying for sure. Like if I come across a copy of this, I, I would think about picking this one up for sure. Again, Tin Men is worth a rental if you have Hoopla, which you do not have. I guess over in your parts, you don't have. Hoopla. Uh, we don't. No. Oh, that sucks. If you have Hoopla, listeners, it's currently stream streaming for free. This is highly recommended. Unfortunately, I'm not, I, I'm going to assume Eric Holmes is not, uh, is not J. Paul Getty. He's not a multi-billionaire or neither is Bruce, neither am I. You pull, pull us together. Maybe we have a nickel among us. So I don't know if I'm going to really recommend people buy the DVD because A, the DVD was released by Touchstone like years ago and it's out of print. I purchased one at my local. This is, and this is, goes to the physical media to you, Eric. Several years ago, I purchased Tin Man. It was sealed DVD for about four bucks. It's now $34.90 at Amazon just to buy this DVD. I mean, maybe it's worth it because it's such a good movie, but this Criterion movie needs to get on this like I, yesterday. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I'm looking at Amazon right now as you, as we speak, only one left in stock. So I think. There are some Tin Men fans who are unfortunately paying top dollar. I mean, for me, I mean, a dollar's a lot for me, but thirty four ninety for Tin Men. I don't know. It's a great movie. I don't know how great of a movie is it, Bruce Perky. What's your rating on Tin Men? A uh, five star banger, easy. Okay, thanks for stealing my thunder, <laughs> Bruce Perky. Five star banger for me on Tin Men. And you know, just because this is one of these things, it's like Gremlin, Secrets of the Mogwai, Raising Kane, Return of the Living Dead. Uh, I was going to say Citizen Kane, but we're not esoteric here. We're going to put 10 men as one of the best, uh, the best film ever. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's always been one of the rules. And also 10 man's one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> I, I'm actually excited for Eric to see this guy. I, I feel like Eric. Will oh, love he'll love it too. Cause this is, Oh, there's so many. I, good I think, I think Eric will love it. Right. I think so. I mean, maybe yeah. he's a, like I said, he's a wild card. You know, you never know with Eric what he's going to do. <laughs> Eric, did you love Goodfellas or was that underrated, uh, overrated, underrated? What no, I, I, I love Goodfellas. Okay. In fact, you- I, I was looking at like all the stuff that uh, Barry Levinson has coming out. He's got a movie called Wise Guys coming out, uh, written by Nicholas Pileggi. So, okay, that, oh, no, no, I'm just, but I'm just talking about like uh, you, Barry Levinson. Uh, you, uh, we're talking about uh, what, what uh, Rain Man and and mm-hmm. Diner. Have you seen these? Uh, do you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I like a lot of his movies. Okay. I, I haven't seen all of them because I mean, what do you what do you say? Eric? Like I, and here, did I hear something from you, Eric? Oh, what did you? Say? It's coming through. I think Bruce did. Did Eric Holmes say Sphere is Barry Levinson's best movie of, of all time with Sharon Stone? <laughs> I, I, do like I, I sure I, didn't I, say I that. Do, I do like <laughs> Sphere. What do you say, Eric? I do like Don't, Sphere. How dare you? What you you do like Sphere? Wouldn't yeah. it be funny, Bruce, if Sphere is actually a good movie? Is Sphere underrated? I've seen Eric Sphere. I, it's been too long for me to say for sure, but I just remember watching it and liking it. Because like, when uh, Jurassic Park came out, I just kept reading like all the Michael Crichton books. Okay. And that, that was one of them. So I, I went to it and I liked it when it came out. Am I unfairly throwing stones at Sphere? 
You could be. I, I could watch it right now and go, oh, yeah, maybe it is a piece of shit. But uh, when I saw it, it was it was good. I liked it. I could see it being a three-star banger now because I feel like it was goofy and weird, but also kind of fun to watch. It's one of those oh, kind okay. of movies. One of these things. So, again, Barry Levinson, a, look, it, back in the day, I'm going to admit it, and I, I hate to say it. I, I, I'm looking back at my life now and I, things that I – the first time I saw Sleepers, I was a little bit disappointed. And I think now, years later, it, it oh, works for me. Yeah, slippers is great. Bandits, wag the dog. Okay. Uh, don't talk to me like that anymore, Eric. I, 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 I admitted I was wrong. Vietnam, the natural. Don't like... say it. Stop it. You're making me hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Good morning, Vietnam. The natural. Oh my god. Yeah. It, it, Bruce Berkey, Barry Levinson. My God, right? Look at those. Look at these movies. Yeah. And yeah, he's how... got a pretty solid selection, sir. And I, after all those movies that that were selected, I, Tin Man's right at the top. I, I have to say it. Yeah. This one's just so. The difference is, I think this one's just so fun. The characters are so fun. It's just, it's, ah, I could just start talking about scenes right now. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm folks, if you want to, if you want to actually select or have Bruce Perky suggest movies for Bruce Perky's what's in the box segment, email Bruce Perky at gmail.com. How else can they reach you, Bruce? Um, I could send me a, yeah, they could do all kinds of things. They could, they could just yell at me over the internet, (laughs) (laughs) Twitter, if they want, I'm over there too. You can just message me on Facebook if you really want to. That's fine. That works. Yeah. Just talk to them. Just join our cinematics Facebook group where you, we have Eric Holmes uh, moderating and Bruce Perky, people giving Bruce Perky recommendations. We have our brother in arms, Joseph Bridges creating this really interesting game where he, he gets a random quote from letterboxd. He'll put it on our Facebook post. And for our cinematics, Facebook group members, they are just like chomping and champing at the bit and giving guesses for where that quote came from. It's a great new game. Thank you, Joseph Bridges for actually enhancing our community as because I, I disenhance it and you, you do a much better job than I do. All right. Before we go, Eric, you know what time it is right now, right? Yes. What is it? What's in the box, Bruce? Bruce, what's, what's in the box? I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking. Stop nagging. <laughs> Bruce. Bruce. Oh, this, this was some movie. <laughs> you, think I'm, you think I'm Danny DeVito? What's going on here? So this is <laughs> this was suggested by the director of Sisu. So this went into the box recently. Okay, yeah. very cool. Open Range, which I have not seen. Open Range. It's directed by Kevin Costner, starring Kevin Costner and Robert Duvall. hours long. I will. <laughs> Eric Holmes, have you seen it? Open Range before? Yeah, it's a, it's been a while. I, I remember. Was it this one? And what was the other one that came out around that time? Or am I just thinking it dances with wolves? But yeah, I, he, did I remember, the, he did the Postman. No, because I remember like Open yeah. Range came out. He also did Wyatt then, Earp. I think there was another movie that was kind of similar, maybe mm. a year before or after, like, but kind of around the same time. Or and Benning's in it as well. And yeah. oh, I think Robert might, Duvall. It, it's you, been a long time since I've seen it. You know it, why so. you might watch it? I know Bruce will watch it for next week for, for uh, What's in the Box. But you know why you got to watch it, Eric Holmes? Why is that? Because it stars Kim Coates. So I know you like Kim Coates, right? So Oh. See, there you go. Oh, there right. you go. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Definitely. Yeah, because when, when I saw it, I didn't know who Kim Coates was because that was pre-Sons of Anarchy, so... And now, yeah. since you are an SOA fan, isn't that isn't that cool? Like when you go back and like watch movies, yeah, and, and you're like, oh, they were in Dang. this. Oh, cool. uh, no, it's not cool, Eric, because I don't like watching movies. So oh, we'll, we'll, oh. <laughs> for the, for the rest of us, <laughs> for the for the normal people like Eric Holmes and Bruce Berkey, it is fun. But yes, when you watch Open Range, keep Kim Coates in mind and yeah. Abraham Ben Ruby as well. How about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got some good stuff. Good stuff for next week for Open Range. Final thoughts, Eric Holmes. 
Uh, yeah, check out uh, Gremlin Secret of the Mogwai, and I'll be talking about that on a weekly basis. And, oh, by the way, I uh, didn't get to get on this because it's nearly three hours long, but Wandering Earth, I believe, is available now on demand or okay. uh, streaming. And okay. I, I seem to recall the first Wandering Earth being kind of fun, like not like greatest movie ever, but still kind of fun for what it was. And I'm definitely interested to see what Wandering Earth 2 is all about. I just didn't have three hours to watch it this week, so I, I missed <laughs> it. But it, it is out and go check it out. Maybe you like it. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But there it is. Okay, Bruce Perky, final thoughts. Hey, by the way, is the Eight Mountains still on your mind? Please tell me a whiff of it is still. Yeah, I love that movie. Okay, I'm glad. What else do you love? Final thoughts from Bruce Perky. Well, it's not a movie, but I love Zelda, the brand new Zelda. Oh, Tears mm. of the Kingdom. Is it hard to get, or is it easy easy to get? There's just so many copies. You know what I'm saying? Or I don't know. So it's the first game I went out to buy opening day in like 20 years, and I just decided I was going to go buy it. I went there like early, and it was already selling out. So it probably well, is sold out some places. Well, that's it. Won't be sold out because you can buy it on the Nintendo Store. There you go. Oh, so it's kind of like a it's kind of like a movie. If it's available on physical media, but it's also available to buy online. You know, you can, you'd always be able to get one, um, whether or so not you advice. want to buy the physical copy or not. I, I don't I don't know. Do people buy physical copies of uh, video games anymore? With I the, did. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, like just in mass to where they. I don't be believe. I don't know. No. It probably depends. There's like collectors boxes and things so i'm sure people do for collector stuff yeah um and i just like to do it because i like to have physical copies of things but yeah. um yeah i say it's great if you want to just uh you're watching a movie you need a break just go wander around the field for a while and be be doing link stuff you're talking about the game right bruce yeah well that too I just wander <laughs> around the fields look like a crazy person for, like what's he doing I just wandering the fields that's bruce again no look how many hours look you you have full-time you have a full-time job you're a dad how many hours have you spent on this video game not too many, only like 10 or 11. Okay. So, I, I miss, it. Like I miss those days. A day. Don't you miss those days when you didn't, when we didn't have all these responsibilities? We'd spend 40 hours a week and just play, play games all the time. So. But the good part about it is I'll still be playing it five years from now when everyone else is on the next one. <laughs> okay, so that is the final recommend. What is the name of the game again? Uh, Tears of Zelda or Zelda Tears? Or yeah, Zelda? close enough. You'll get there. <laughs> Tears of the Sun, Zelda. Zelda gets me. Okay, we'll see you guys next week here on Cinematics.